Welcome to the Two Old Kids and Two Young Adults podcast. We've combined life experience with young adult drive and ambition. Are you just starting to college plan? Did you finish your education and wonder, now what? Join us in this lively discussion about the topics you need to know to create the next stage of your life's dreams, careers, finances, education, and more. All right. Happy Tuesday, everyone. We welcome you to another um, episode of the Two Old Kids and Two Young Adult Podcasts. And today we have Mr. Grant Blakesley. So welcome, Grant. And I'm joined, obviously, by my co-hosts, Ed and Amy. Thank you. Glad to be here. I appreciate you hopping on. But um, yeah, just to start off, Grant, I would love to um, have you um, tell the viewers a little bit about yourself and, um, you know, kind of your career progression and um, where you're at now. Okay. Um, Well, I'm a married man with uh, two uh, beautiful girls. Uh, One is... uh, just graduated high school and is uh, set to go to UCSB this uh, fall um, with some help with uh, Ed. And um, who me? <laughs> and then uh, my other daughter, she's uh, 24. Um, so moving back, I grew up in uh, Costa Mesa, uh, finished high school there, went on to um, just junior college. Uh, at Orange Coast College. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, And then I decided uh, something clicked in. I kind of went against the grain as far as the... uh, Ed helped me out. Is that the aptitude test that you do and to figure out what would be the best route for you? Yep. Uh, I went against the grain just knowing me. It kind of put me in an office during that test and... uh, what I do as a firefighter is completely opposite. So uh, happy that I did that. Um, I went at one point, left Orange Coast College and went on to uh, what was then called Rancho Santiago College, but is often referred to as Santa Ana College. They have a fire uh, technology program there. And I did all my, um, there were seven core classes and a fire academy. Uh, it took me a year and a half. Now, this was back in the day. Uh, I started the semester before Backdraft came out. Nice. It took me a year and a half. The people that started the semester after me, it took four and a half years to get through that program. Oh my wow. That's how much of an impact that movie had on the fire service. Um, back... When I was uh, doing all that, I started off as uh, an ambulance, uh, working on the ambulance uh, in a 911 system for uh, SEALS Ambulance, which is a no longer company, but uh, we provided service for Huntington Beach, Newport, Costa Mesa, and Fountain Valley, and got a lot of experience as an EMT as I was trying to uh, work on my education. Uh, So that helped pay for my college, uh, plus living at home as well. I uh, didn't really have the funds to move out and, and do all the uh, fun things. So um, had to stay at home and uh, take care of business that way. Uh, <clears throat> once I finished the academy, I did get my a bunch of certificates that come along with that and then started working as a reserve firefighter for the city of Fountain Valley. Now, being a reserve, I wasn't paid. I was compensated $7.50 a shift for food. <laughs> and wow. that's a 24 hour shift 
we were required to put in a minimum of two shifts a month as, and it's a way for us to gain experience. And then from there, it was uh, a long road. It took me almost seven years to get hired. And once um, I was getting to a point where I had family telling me like, hey, go on back to school, become a school teacher. You'll be great. I kept on persevering and uh, went through paramedic school, which really opened the doors for me to get hired. So um, that's a little bit about where I got started as far as getting into uh, the career as a firefighter. Um, but more about me, I, I'm very involved with uh, athletics. I like surfing. The new craze right now is pickleball. Yeah. We do it at the <laughs> station. Um, so um, it's it's fun time. And uh, uh, I also like hiking and uh, golf, surfing. Just being outdoors is uh, where – I like to do things. So spend the time with family. We just uh, had a nice trip out to the river uh, and did a little boating while we were out there with some, uh, with the girls and a couple of their friends. And yeah, so. Wow. Grant, it's, it's amazing to hear how you transitioned into that career and you took the steps, the hard steps of saying, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a reserve. I'm going to pay my way. I'm going to stay at home. You've made a lot of sacrifices, which I like to call investing in yourself, which is what you did. We have a lot of young adult listeners that might be interested in going into this career and this profession. What were some of the apprehensions you had along the way or things that made you go, oh my gosh, have I done the right thing? Well, is there any, any blockings that might've stopped you from pressing forward and how you got yourself through that? That's a good question. Um, I think when I started off, it was kind of the idea was if you had your fire academy, you were going to get hired. So I went that route. I did the things to, to make that happen. And I was getting experience as an EMT because, as you know, um, many, a lot of our calls, uh, probably over 80% of our calls are uh, medical related. So I was gaining a lot of experience that way. Uh, as I was getting done with the academy, it was kind of morphing into this, okay, now you have to have an associate's degree. Well, I was real close to that. So I continued with the few classes that I needed to get that. I did get an associate's in um, liberal arts and then also an associate of science and uh, fire technology. So uh, double there. Um, as I was getting that done, I was still having a lot of competition going into the, the testing phase and trying to get hired. So what really pushed me over the edge and was kind of that morph, like I talked about was, uh, going through paramedic school. And so I had actually gotten married young. Um, when I say young 24, um, so I went through a marriage and we were just too young. I was working all the shifts at the ambulance company, which was like 15 a month, plus a couple of overtime days, plus those two reserve days. So I was gone from the house plus 20 days a month, wow. which can be sometimes what it is in the fire service. Um, that didn't sit well with two newlyweds. And so we ended up splitting up. And I moved back in with my parents. Um, never want to do that, but <laughs> did that. And 
went back to school and did paramedic school. And once I was done with paramedic school, that's where I went from testing against like two or 3000 people to like 300 people. That was my competition. And that was at the, that time, things are a little different now, but still very similar. So I hope that answered the question there. Uh, as far as the apprehension, I think it was just that frustration. Like I said, it was like six, almost seven years of testing before I got hired. Wow. Feel like you're doing all the right things, but, and you're making it. One of the key things though, I finally realized was during my interview process, I kept on saying things that I thought they wanted to hear, not what I wanted to say. And when I finally transitioned to saying what I needed to say, that's when all of a sudden I started getting chief interviews and I was able to progress to the next level. And so I was missing that for several years. And that was part of that, like you said, the apprehension of me being me versus me being somebody else for what I thought they wanted to uh, see. It's a powerful statement that you learned a lot through that. I think there's a lot of young adults that probably are struggling with that saying, I I need, I need to conform. I need to say what they want me to say. And here, when you finally figured that out, you were able to transition into you and you saw success in that. Yes, very much. So you took, um, sounds like you got, you went through obviously, um, you know, EMT school, the fire Academy as well. What would you say, um, the most difficult parts of going through both of those, um, trainings were in your opinion? Well, I think, uh, the difficult part of that training is not really being familiar with the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you're stepping into an arena where you have little to no knowledge and even like EMT, it was a five uh, credit class and I was still carrying a full uh, workload as far as um, my other um, school classes. I think that semester I had like uh, 15 or 18 credits I was doing. So trying to keep up with all this stuff and quite honestly, they, they do uh, EMT classes now online for like three weeks. I don't see how you could do it. Yeah, mine was a full semester, five credit class, and it felt like it was very fast. So, um, for both of those, though, like getting into the academy, that's part of the reason they do the. Um, there's a lot, a lot more things set up nowadays. Uh, for like instance, uh, paramedic school, they have paramedic prep class. So you are already an EMT. You're practicing the next step to be a paramedic, you're thinking about the questions that you would ask to further the call, to be able to provide um, any sort of treatment, uh, any sort of medicine that you're gonna give, um, that sort of thing. There's also other classes about, uh, you know, learning to read EKGs. When I went to medic school, um, that wasn't, um, it wasn't really a, a, what do they call the pre-qualifying courses that you have to take. Oh, prerequisites. Yeah, the prerequisites. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a prerequisite. Now it, that's kind of what they want you to do before you actually go through paramedic school. And that was the same thing with the, the fire academy that I went to. There were seven core classes that you had to complete before you can even go to the academy. And those were um, 
talked about physical fitness. One of them was physical fitness. One of them was fire science and a lab. Uh, one was uh, just like an introduction to the fire service. Uh, one was building construction. One was about systems and how they operate, such as the fire sprinklers, the alarms, things like that. Wow. And uh, trying to remember the seventh one. I can't remember offhand, but uh, there was seven of them that you had to go through uh, for that school. The other schools, I'm not sure exactly what they, uh, such as down here. I know there's uh, Palomar, I think Southwest, uh, or is it Southwest or Southwestern? I think Southwestern College, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think they have some stuff down here. But there's other uh, academies too, like in the Inland Valley uh, and different paramedic schools as well. So, Grant, let me ask you a couple questions about now and then. I mean, okay. talked about your timeline and what you went through to finally get on the on the force. I'm curious, um, what's changed in terms of, I mean, you talked about backdraft. I don't know why anybody would want to become a firefighter after that movie. Right. <laughs> that That's kind of interesting for me. I got to process that. But I watched Chicago Fire and I'm like, that looks pretty cool. So I'm curious <laughs> about people, young people going, seeing it on TV and kind of going, I want to do that. And you probably see these increases of people coming in. But for those who are serious about it, serious about becoming a firefighter, what's the arc now? Like how much time should they be thinking they have to invest? You talked about working mm -hmm. for free, working for food money, um, volunteering. What's the reality of that situation now? That's a good question. I think uh, you're still looking at a, a quite a long process. Um, they still want to see education. Uh, for me, I'm actually still working on my bachelor's. I am in a class right now, and then I have two more. And then I'll be completed. That will be in uh, fire administration with a concentration in fire investigation. And that's all online through Columbia Southern University. It's just a school that my job allows us to go to that's accredited and we get reimbursed because we get tuition reimbursement. So I've been doing it over a series of about uh, probably about three to four years. Cause in the process, I also went through a promotional process and then taking a year break from school to with my new promotion to uh, get used to that before I was engaged back with school. So um, to answer that question, though, I think there's still a long process as far as timeline. Um, is it six or seven years? It depends on how involved you're going to be. How, like I said, it took me a couple of years to figure out, like to answer the question that I, how I wanted to answer it. That was one of my biggest things. Uh, one of the things I wanted to say is, even in the position, but I think this goes for anybody is to make yourself vulnerable. And what I mean by that is like, even when I was going through the promotional process, raising my hand to be the one to in front of the chiefs and the other, uh, my peers, there's that apprehension about looking like you're a failure if you did it wrong. Right. And you don't want to look that way, but when you make yourself vulnerable, that's how you learn. 
You're going to learn by your mistakes and you're going to get direct feedback on what you're doing. So by being the one asking the question, you're making yourself vulnerable and that's going to help you. I wanted to kind of talk about, um, I want to get into like the steps in the process, like where you go like from volunteer to chief. But before I get into that, I'm kind of curious, um, you talked about being vulnerable. How important was, is it, or would it be for a young man or woman to, once they get started to try to find a mentor or somebody who can really walk them through it and kind of, you know, have their back as they're learning? How did that, was that something that worked for you? Did you find that to be important or how does that affect your career, your career development? Yeah, I think uh, that's a very good point. Uh, for me, I didn't really have that mentor. Um, it was kind of the guys I worked with at the ambulance company that had been through the academy and were still in the testing process. So kind of banked on them, hearing what they were saying. Uh, then once I became a um, reserve with the city of Fountain Valley, uh, kind of getting feedback from the people that I was working with there. Uh, but I never latched on to a mentor. Um, I did work for the city of uh, Oceanside on their ambulance before I was hired full-time. And I did have a couple of people that I worked with there that I, I did have a mentor. And I use one of them in particular, like he was a captain. He would ask the crew to, hey, we need to get this stuff done such as like the light bulbs and the app a need to be changed out. Example, he'd be the first one up the ladder changing the light bulb. And that set a tone in me like, hey, if I have to ask my people to do something, I should be the one doing, setting the example to them that I'm going to be out there doing it. And I'm not just going to ask them to do something and then walk away and make them do it. Yeah. So lead by example. Exactly. And then, when I first was hired full-time, it was with uh, North County Fire Protection District in Fallbrook. And I was set right into that mentor uh, position, Ed, like you asked, because my partner, he was running our Explorer Post. The Explorer Post is for young men and women that are 14 to 21. It's through the Boy Scouts of America, but it's called, uh, uh, it was the fire service, uh, it's called learning for life. It's a branch of the boy Scouts of America. And right away I had, they would hire up to like 30, um, explorers. And right away I was put in that position being my partner, uh, with my partner running the program, becoming a mentor. And within six months, I ended up running it with now the fire chief of North County fire, Keith McReynolds we were partners running that program for almost six years. Wow. And so I was that mentor. And what's really great about it is that I've gone to another agency. Um, I've been there for over 18 years now. And now I have four different people that were explorers under uh, mine and Ray's time when we were there. And, awesome. and Keith. That's very so, cool. That's awesome. That's really cool. Right. So Grant, talk about, um, 
you said volunteer the chief. I would imagine there's a lot of steps and a lot of jobs in between there. Can you give us an overview of what that progression looks like? Yeah, so we go call that the chain of command. So yeah. uh, as a reserve firefighter, uh, you're there. Um, some departments use them. Um, like North County would use it as the a reserve firefighter EMT. They, when I was working there, I'm not sure if it's still the same way. The reserve would drive the ambulance and then I would be the firefighter paramedic doing all the stuff that we would do in route to the hospital and running the call on scene, working with the other members from the fire engine where that second paramedic would come from. Um, so that's the reserve. Some places do it as a volunteer. You show up periodically at my department, Orange County Fires, where I work now, Orange County Fire Authority. Uh, we have reserve program and they come in and some there's at certain stations, uh, typically busier stations or sometimes in the Canyon where there's not enough. We, we can't put like a, a full-time career firefighter rig in the Canyon, but they have members that live in that specific area that respond and they know that Canyon better than we do because they live there. So they get called, uh, they're called paid call firefighters and they, they come back based on the call. So sometimes like, uh, for instance, the city of San Juan, uh, Capistrano, they have reserves at station seven there in Orange County. They, the engine seven, medic seven, they go out on a call and then they get a page to say, Hey, come to the station. And if you're available, to provide service, to man that patrol that they have to go out on a secondary call. They also provide uh, service for driving our water tender uh, so that they have different apparatus that they're in charge of. And they do a fantastic job uh, for our agency. And um, actually one of the chiefs um, that's in, in the city of Oceanside, the one that hired me, um, way back when he is actually one of their senior reserve officers because he lives in that community. So that's a reserve firefighter. We have a firefighter position. Not all agencies have strictly firefighter. A lot of the agencies in North County hire firefighter paramedic as their first step. And then there would be engineer or fire apparatus engineer. That's the one that drives. And then a fire captain, usually the captain is the one that's in charge of the crew and the station. And then you would have a battalion chief, typically. They're in charge of the battalion, so multiple stations. And then moving up, you would have division chief. So they'd be in charge of multiple divisions, overseeing the battalion chiefs who oversee the stations in that battalion. And then you can get up to, like in our agency, we have assistant chief of operations and also business finance. And so we're under the operations side of things. And then we have a deputy chief of operations and then the fire chief. So there's a lot of people. And then there's there's staff staff people behind it uh, in fire prevention or community risk reduction is often what they call them. their program now, uh, educational specialists, 
Uh, we even have nurse educators to help us with our uh, training for our EMS. So, and then there, there's a, a whole array of uh, administrative assistants and, and people in finance, all kinds of stuff. So at our department, we have about 1,100 members on the floor with probably uh, 450 staff positions. Wow. Wow. Incredible. You don't think about that and, and how much is, is the support system and what it takes. We just, you know, we call 911, you see a firefighter show up and, and you don't realize all the people behind that. Grant, I, I have one, one last question for you. Okay. You described all of the years of going through all of that education, all of the courses, the grueling work that you did. And we have a lot of young adults. This is what this show is for that are maybe impatient, just going, I want to fast track. Well, if I can do that quick three month, you know, online course, and if I can do it this way and fast track, but could you explain in your own words, what it was like having all of that training and how invaluable it was to the job you had to do? Would you trade any of it for, for the expertise that you were able to have to make you better at what you do? Good question. Yeah, I think that is a very good question. And I don't think I would tr trade anything. I may have done some additional training. Um, there is different courses that we can take, uh, whether it be a, a day course or week-long course, uh, such as an uh, example would be Swift Water Wet Rescue. Mm, if you okay. see, if you live in the Carlsbad area, often you see the fire department down there at the warm water jetty. And that could be uh, training for Carlsbad or it could be for other agencies that um, they set that up and do swift water rescue training there. Sometimes they even do that. Um, I know our agency, we have members that uh, take people up to the Kern River uh, to do it in the, the river up there. And that's just an example of uh, one area that I never got into and I never trained for. Um, but we do have that specialty at, at my job. In fact, the station that I work at is the truck is also um, our USAR truck and they provide our swift water. So there's actually a boat with a, a utility and a trailer there just for that swift water aspect. But to answer the question in full, though, um, I would say all the training that I've had, you still like as a paramedic, when you first start out, you're going to be timid. You're not going to know everything. And as we always say in the fire service, um, you build upon that slide tray. If you think back of like when you used to get, um, probably not nowadays, but that carousel of slides that we would see when we were uh, going through school and the teachers would uh, put up the pictures, right? right. Well, that's what they describe as, um, as you gain more experience, you pull from that carousel to give the appropriate care and attention to the call uh, based on your experience before. So as much as you have the training, the experience is also equally important. Wow. Grant, thank you. Ed, Alex, was this not amazing? This is super cool. This is the uh, very first job I ever wanted to do. My family has pictures of me in a firefighter outfit when I was like Aww. four years old. And our, our families are firefighters too. If you can imagine that, yeah. So this was super cool getting this, uh, this really in-depth look at such a, such a cool career. Alex, it's not too late. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I'd love to. I'm 23. I'm, I've always thought about it. Two of, my, two of my cousins are <laughs> firefighters too up in, uh, up in Alpine. So it's always been stuff that's on my mind. 
Hey, Grant, I'm 53. Is it too late for me? No, sir. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're, you're being very kind. <laughs> and we hire no uh, limitations. <laughs> well, for my uh, for my uh, workplace, uh, Orange County Fire Authority, we don't have any discrimination as far as age, gender, um, race. We hire everyone. Um, it is very grueling. This our academy. Uh, I would not want to go through it again. Um, <laughs> and even when I went through it, the physical fitness was not what it is where you have to be today. Mm -hmm. So we, um, are, we, we take that very serious and they look at all the things that you have to do as far as the testing. And that's something I'm not, um, going back on one of the questions. I'm not very familiar with the updated testing process. Um, my daughter's boyfriend was going through the process and he talked about having to go to this written test and it's like an aptitude test that you have to take. And I'm not sure the, um, uh, what they call it, but then there's also the, the Biddle exam, which is the physical fitness test, but it's fire related. So you got to be familiar with the technique on how to do these things. And if you're just going in cold Turkey, um, chances are you're not going to pass that test because there's certain techniques to get through each of the, uh, different events. Um, such as pulling hose, you don't pull the hose straight to the tour, the door, you got to pull it past the door so you can come back to it to make sure you have enough hose to come in and go through the door. Otherwise you're going to come up short. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, um, I'm another fascinating guest, man. I, I'm amazed by what people do. And I, I'm super, I was super excited to hear, uh, Grant that, you're still in the education mode. I mean, you're yeah. a fire chief and you're out there get, trying to work on getting your bachelor's degree and putting that around your responsibilities and the, the men and women that you supervise. That was super cool to hear that. Um, I, I'm just going to wrap up with one thing. I, I don't like to sensationalize things. I don't want to hear all the gory stories. I want to hear a funny story. What in the course of your career, you walk away from a call just laughing, either just shocked about what happened or something that just you that you think back and go, man, that was one of the craziest calls I've ever been on. <laughs> uh, well, I've had a career of 25 years in the fire service so far and add about seven more with uh, EMT experience prior to that. Um, so I've seen a lot. And there's been times uh, when I first started out that I didn't think, I thought, oh, I need to hang it up. Uh, this isn't for me. Um, when I was first starting as an EMT. Uh, but then I had a call where a paramedic gave me a brand new baby and said, hey, um, go take care of this baby in the ambulance. And that thought for uh, me, as far as like, that paramedic in trusting me, he, he's known me for six months on various calls that I've ran with him, but he's trusting me with this brand new baby. So, um, as far as that, but then I also have this baby in my hand hands and I'm holding this baby and I'm doing all the right things. Well, at the same time, Ed, I was in my, uh, anatomy and physiology class. So I went back and I told the instructor about it and that, that well, this is what captured me is that instructor told me when you, when you were holding that baby next to your heart, that baby will have that love forever 
from you. Wow. And I, it just like, it's awesome. Yeah. So that's, that was something very profound. Um, as far as funny, if you can imagine it, we've probably seen it. (laughs) Um, and I'm sure the ER, um, emergency room folks could, uh, say the same thing. Um, and recently if I was to follow back, uh, in that teaching moment, kind of tie everything back together, we just delivered a baby, uh, in May and I have a probationary firefighter finishing his probation, getting ready to go to medic school. I said, Hey, jump in the ambulance, come with me. Mom is a first baby thinking, Oh, we got plenty of time. She's only been in labor for like 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. Um, doesn't seem to be in very, like the labor's only, uh, I would say each contraction was about 40, 45 seconds in length and didn't seem very strong. And I just told my partner, there's no crowning, meaning the head of the baby's not coming out yet. And I'm starting an IV. Next thing I know, we're in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. And I see her pushing and I said, hey, no pushing. Uh, We don't want to have the baby in the back of the ambulance. It'll be better to be at the hospital. She says, oh, I'm okay. Next contraction, she goes to push. Out comes the head of the baby. I got, I'm involved with starting the IV. And I tell my firefighter, hey, support the head of the baby and capture the baby as, hold the baby as the baby's coming out. So it was just uh, super cool to have him already going into medic school, having delivered a baby and then to be able to be there for the family as well. Um, So they didn't know what the baby was. So I was the one that was able to say, you had a baby boy and the mom was super elated. And then the dad met us at the ambulance bay and there was an exchange of information there. And I told the mom, here's kind of a funny part i said mom mom tell him what you had and she said i had a baby <laughs> yes i said no mom tell tell your husband what you, the sex is we had a baby boy and just the elation on his face was amazing so um it was super cool to be there for that and as far as uh, fun stuff, though, Ed, we create our own fun stuff in the, in the firehouse. So. Yeah, but you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you yeah. what. For all those people out there, that's a fire chief. That's Fire Chief Grant Blakesley. Thanks, Grant, for being on here. That was so great to have you. Thanks for sharing your experiences and some um, feedback for young people who are thinking about going into the, becoming a firefighter. Um, I think that's it. Amy, are you taking us home? Yes. What an incredible show. And this is why we love this platform that is sharing so many experiences, careers, and individuals from all walks of life. And Grant, what a treat to have you with us today. We hope it's inspired and empowered any young adults in any career that they're choosing. You've got to work hard. You've got to put in those years and it's worth it. If you're choosing to go into firefighting, there it was. There was the nuts and bolts for you. If you love this show, please like, please subscribe and share it. We will be back with more next week with some amazing guests coming up ahead. You don't want to miss it. And we'll see you next time on behalf of my co-hosts, Ed and Alex. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching if you're on YouTube and we'll see you next time. Make sure and subscribe to this show so you don't miss the next episode of Two Old Kids and Two Young Adults podcast. We want to hear from you as well. 
You can email us at 2ok2ya at gmail.com.